0: Good morning. Welcome to the one Sunday each year most people arrive to time on church. How about on time to church? And for all of you that have enjoyed your on-time experience this morning, feel free to join us on time next week as we begin service promptly at 1045. I would like to take a moment and thank everyone who helped make Thursday's indoor carnival a success. We had... Multiple people from the community, we were able to give away over 60 free pizzas. Uh, We had lots of popcorn, lots of drinks, lots of fun uh, for a multitude of people. So thank you for everyone who volunteered their time to make that a, a success. I know that we don't traditionally begin this section of the service like this, so you may be curious why the curtain is closed and you can hear me, but you cannot see me. No, this is not an indicator that the service this morning is over. I am here, and so are you, and I believe the Holy Spirit is here this morning as well. I'm backstage right now, and I wonder, have you ever wondered what happens behind the scenes or backstage at Springhouse? It's quite a different perspective when you are backstage behind this big red curtain. The lights are different. The feel is different there's even a degree of less pressure because no one can really see what I'm actually doing. In the wing space are hidden things that we don't really want you to see right now. Some of it's old. Some of it, like the set for Springhouse Theater's A Christmas Carol, is in progress. There are cords and wires everywhere. The floor is splattered with paint and spots from the work that takes place back here. I see posters from past productions that serve as memories of what it has been accomplished, and I see lots of cabinets with random props and items that serve their purpose in the right season. The backstage area of this church is important. It's where the work takes place to produce what is seen by the majority. Without concerted effort and time backstage, you probably would not get to enjoy some of the wonderful things brought to the main stage and in front of the curtain. It's interesting the parallel that that truth plays in our lives. We spend a considerable amount of time paying attention to what happens in front of the curtain. When was the last time you spent intentional time addressing what things look like behind the curtain? In the backstage area of your life. Today, we are continuing our series, A Better Life, and we are going to consider what happens with regard to our devotional life, the parts of our life that few ever really see. Let's stand together this morning and read our scripture together. And because I'm backstage, I'm trusting that Rhonda Frazier has that ready for us. Let's read together. and whose leaf does not wither, whether whatever they do prospers. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it brings life. I thank you that we can trust your word, God. And I pray, Lord, as we investigate what happens in the backstage of our life, God, that you would help us to understand that clarity and direction really can come from you in spaces that we allow for you to move. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning. A better life, a devotional life. What does your life look like behind the scenes? I could probably look at a majority of you and tell you what your life looks like in front of everyone because we're pretty good about showing that off. But what does your life look like behind the curtain, behind the scenes, backstage? A majority of us spend our, uh, the most of our time in that area, what does that look like? I used to be uh, a part of productions that the, the theater company would do here uh, at Springhouse. It was used to be called Lamplighters Theater, and now it's Springhouse Theater. And I've directed a couple shows, and uh, and I have acted in a few shows, and I've had a number of directors. My most favorite director was Margaret Meek. <clears throat> My most favorite director was Margaret Meek. I remember Margaret would take countless hours to develop a schedule that worked around every person's individual need and availability to ensure that she was able to maximize their time during rehearsal and to cater to what their availability outside of this place would be. In addition, when you were scheduled for a rehearsal with Margaret, you rehearsed during that time. And if you didn't have rehearsal during that time, you were not scheduled to be there. She worked tirelessly to make sure that your time was valued and appreciated. And I appreciated that about her. She rarely gave notes. If you're in a show, you've been in a show before, there's times when the director needs to give you notes about things you need to change, things you need to adjust. Rarely did she do that in front of everyone. She would always find a time to get one-on-one with you and give you uh, gentle correction, gentle uh, gentle correction or ideas or things that you would need to change. She worked very hard not to embarrass anyone. She was intentional with her use of time in that capacity. And she valued relationship. In fact, I believe the reason Margaret Reed did anything with the theater was so that she could develop a relationship with the people with whom she worked. Margaret was a great director, was somebody I would not mind doing shows for as many times as she would ask because of the way that she valued the process. What happened backstage and behind the scenes always held more significance than the performance itself. You can have an outrageously incredible show with a massive audience and incredible raving reviews and have the people who are putting it on and a part of it never want to do a show here again. Because what happens behind the scenes is oftentimes more important than what happens on the stage. And the same is true about our life. When was the last time you considered the question, what do things look like in the backstage of your life? What do things look like back there? That's not a comfortable subject because that's not usually an area we want people to see. That's not an area that we like to entertain or talk much about because it's not the area that we like to talk about. We like to carve out exactly what we want people to see, and we want them to stay in that area and leave the rest alone. But this question is not about what everybody else thinks. I'm asking you. You spend time in the backstage area of your life. What does it look like? What does Kevin's backstage area look like? We are maximum impact people. We like maximum, and we like the most bang for our buck. We like to have the maximum impact. I was saying in the first service, Arwen Jones has found a birthday spot for birthday parties that has maximum, what I would consider maximum impact. I can walk in and have a birthday party for Lucia, and I don't have to do a thing. From start to finish, walk in, everyone has a great time, everyone's happy, and we walk out. That's maximum impact. We like our lives to have maximum impact. But if our maximum impact doesn't have a strong foundation, then it's just maximum fluff. It's just maximum fluff. So if we don't have a life that has any type of foundation in the background, then really what we're showing everyone is fake. Our culture, our culture has no idea what it means to be authentic. Our culture is so obliterated, not just the definition of, but even the need to be authentic with one another because we are so concerned about what everybody else says and everybody else thinks. We struggle with being authentic because we spend more time performing than we do getting to know who we really are. We feel more comfortable faking it around the multitudes than finding out our true selves behind the scenes. Authentic people know who they are and know who they belong to. Inauthentic people have no clue who they are and they spend their time playing the part needed at the moment. They wear lots of different hats, lots of different masks and lots of different lives. And a lot of that inauthenticity is bred from fear. It's bred from fear. What is going to happen if people discover who I really am? What is gonna happen with when he or she discovers this about my life? What's gonna happen if I'm exposed for the mound of laundry that's in my living room right now? right? And so we live these inauthentic lives because we're fearful and we make sure that everyone sees what we want them to see. Do you know the antidote, the the cure for fear? What is the cure for fear? Love, perfect love. Jesus says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Fear cripples us from embracing perfect love. Perfect love is found in spending time with the love giver, with spending time with the Lord. We are so consumed with showing off our relationship with God that we actually lose our relationship with Him in the process. You can see that laden all over social media. So I took the liberty to post some examples of what that might look like. There I am in the nice little nook of my home. We cleaned that corner for that picture, by the way. And I've got my coffee that says walk by faith and Bible's open to some obscure pasture. I have no idea, I just opened it to the middle. I've got Christian sayings around, and man, that just looks like I've got my life together. I'm spending time with the Lord. Or maybe this pose. Oh, just the perfect pose between the trees where the sunlight is beaming through. Praise God, it's such a good morning. Would be the caption. Or maybe this, where I'm saying, welcome fall. I would like to welcome everybody to my house, but I just happened to cleverly get my tithe offering check and my dollar for the need in the picture because I would like you to know that I actually give. Or maybe it's not us, maybe our spouse aids us in it and they catch you worshiping the Lord in the mud. The one time I did that in my life was the one time the picture was taken. <laughs> my husband is so wonderful, he just pursues the Lord so great, isn't he just so wonderful, right? Or maybe it's with the Christian swag where it says not perfect but forgiven while I'm listening to Mike Prevy's worship album. See, see, that's two likes in one because, you know, I'm a Christian and everybody knows it, but I'm also supporting somebody in the church, yes? That's called intentional posting, right? Actually, it's quite the opposite. The depth of our relationship is reduced to the filter we place on it and the number of likes we receive. The truth is, some of us are so busy putting on our facades that we have little to no time to be genuine and authentic in our relationship with God. At the end of my life, I'd like to say that I want to spend more of my life talking to God than talking about God. I want to order my life where I logged more hours in conversation with Him than conversation about Him. And people who live here who talk more about Him than to Him really have little to say about him to you that's of any worth because they don't really know him. What's the backstage of your life look like? We continue to navigate our path until we reach points that look like this. We continue to be in control. We continue to be OK until we come apart point, a point, a I'm sorry come to a point where there's a crossroads or there's an obstacle. And we need direction. And all of a sudden, just like Santa, we go back here and we say, God, this is what I need. Give it to me right now. If you don't give it to me right now, something's wrong with you, God. And then you walk away. If he doesn't answer in 3.5 seconds, you go to somebody else and try to find an answer or maybe the TV. And we get angry. We don't understand why He's not answering. Or maybe we get there and we hear an answer that we don't like, an answer like this. I wanna go this way. I wanna go that way. I wanna turn around. I don't wanna face what's in front of me. And God says, that's the only way you're getting out of this. And we don't like that answer. So we try every other method and guess what? Lo and behold, you always end up right back to where you're gonna have to walk through. Imagine all that wasted time had you just listened to begin with, right? We tend to step behind the curtain expecting God to have a ready answer for us so we can move on with life. Listen, God's primary objective is not to cater to your definition of a better life. His primary objective is to make you look more like Jesus. A better life is just the residual. The most useful and clear direction is given behind the scenes. The most useful and clear direction for your life is given in your alone time, in your walk, in your consistent walk in listening to the Lord. That is when the most clear and useful direction is given. And when other people come to your life and they say the same things that are happening back here, that's just confirmation that you heard the right way. Sometimes we hear clearly back here, but we choose to listen to what's happening out here. When these two don't line up, we like what's being said out here more than what he said back here. Yeah? Behind the scenes, behind the curtain, we begin to understand that because of Jesus, we have access to the Father. Do you know how important that is? That is Huge. You have access to the very God who breathes stars, who created this entire thing, who knit you in your mother's womb. You have access to that God. Every problem, every situation, every obstacle that happens out here, we learn how to deal with it back here. Because when we're out here, the rubber hits the road. Out here, we're dealing with situations. In real time, you have a problem responding the wrong way in real-time situations, you need to spend more time back here. You don't have a filter when things are coming your way here, you need to spend more time back here. Because the more time you spend back here getting the foundation and hearing from the Lord, the better equipped you are to navigate through life out here. What's more, we begin to understand how valuable and precious our access To the Father is. So here's a question for you. What are you doing with your access? We are privileged to have access to the Father. We are privileged and blessed to have access to Him because of Jesus. We have access. Our access comes through Jesus, and He gives us the ability to see things from a kingdom perspective. Have you ever considered your life from a kingdom perspective? Perspective. Have you ever considered your situations or your obstacles from a kingdom perspective? A kingdom perspective looks different than an earthly perspective every single time. The way that everybody else handles a situation might not be the way that it's to be handled in the kingdom. The, what seems to be the natural flesh response in a situation might not be how God intends for us to handle a situation in the kingdom. Because in the earth's mindset, in this, in this world, we look at situations, we see blemish, we see fault, we see failure, we see flaw. But from a kingdom perspective, you see value, merit, fullness, and worth. From an earthly perspective, we see defeat, we see loss, we see inadequacy. From a kingdom perspective, he gives us the ability to see triumph, victory, and wins. From an earthly perspective, we see the lies of the enemy. We can buy into the lies of the enemy. But from a kingdom perspective, we see the truth of God about our lives. Access is important because it changes our perspective And we have this access because of Jesus. This is what scripture says. I, Jesus, he says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. He says, I am the life. No man comes to the Father, what? Except through him. I've got four daughters. When I get home each day, they light up and they're excited to see me. They scream and they run to me. It's one of my favorite parts of the day when I get home and I get to hug my kids. Lucia, especially, is excited when I get home. When I walk home, her eyes widen, her mouth opens, and she is going to make a V-line to me, whatever it takes to give me a hug. So I get home uh, a few weeks ago. I get home. She's on the front playing uh, on, the, on the living room floor. And I get home and I set my bag down because I know she's going to run around that couch and she's going to barrel me and give me a big hug. I set my bag down. And I look up and yeah, her eyes are big. Her mouth was open and she barreled right through the couch over the kitchen and her off the top to get to me right into my arms. Some of us would rather try to figure out a way around our obstacle to get to the father when we need to barrel right through and trust that he's gonna catch us on the other side. She knew that I was gonna catch her on the other side of that couch. How much trust do you have of your father on the other side of the things that you're dealing with? So you can be out here on the outside trying to navigate and find your way, or you can hold on to the one who says, I am the way. You can be out here trying to decipher what is lie and what is not, or you can hold on and walk with the one that says, I am the truth. You can be out here flirting with death type situations, or you can hold on to the one who says, I am the life. You won't choose to walk with him unless you've settled this question in your heart. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Guys, we can't honestly answer that question if we're not spending any time with him. If we're not spending time with the Lord, it is difficult for us to authentically say, yeah, I trust him. I can't give my endorsement as a person I cannot give my endorsement to Justin as a trustworthy brother in Christ if I don't spend time and have experience with him and trusting him. What would be different about that in our relationship with the Lord? If I'm not spending time with the Lord, there's, not, there's really not a way that I can get to the point where I can say that I really trust him. Many of you know my daughter Hadassah, and I've told this story before. But she had a splinter in her finger a few, uh, I think maybe like a year ago. We had an outdoor playground with wood and she had a splinter. Anybody ever have a splinter? Splinters hurt you? Anybody? Okay, Justin has a lot of splinters and calluses on his hand, yeah? Okay, so she gets this splinter and in a child, a splinter hurts. A A child, like this was really, really hurting her. And as her dad, I knew that the only way to get this pain to go away is to what? pull out the splinter. We got to deal with this issue. And so I grab her and I tell her, Hadassah, baby, listen. And she's screaming, listen to me. I'm going to cause just a little bit more pain in order to free you from the ongoing pain that you're suffering. Think about it. How many times is your father saying, I need, I need to push you just a little bit further." to free you from a life, right? So I go and I take her finger and she's crying, she's pulling it from me and we are now forcing her hand to stay there and I pluck that splinter out and her wailing and those big tears immediately turn to laughter, immediately turned to the pain is gone. So the next morning I'm in the car driving and I remember this experience And I look back at us and I'm trying to be intentional with my daughter. And I say, Hadassah, do you trust daddy? And she says, daddy, I trust you except for when it hurts. (laughs) The more time and the more experiences we have with God, we build a foundation of trust. The more time and the more experiences we have with God, we build a foundation of trust. Trust. Do you trust Him when it hurts? If you've noticed or paid attention over this series that we've been in, A Better Life, there has been a consistent theme. There's probably been a, a couple of things that you've grabbed from each thing, but for me, something I've gravitated to almost every single message is this, slow down. Slow down. Because when you slow down, then you have the time to listen, right? You have the time to to listen. In my time with the Lord about two weeks ago, a thought came to my mind and the thought was this. I want to be as connected to God as I am to my phone. I don't know if you've ever had that thought or whatever. I thought that, but I tend to believe that those types of thoughts don't come from me. They come from the Lord because I'm just not that clever. And so he gave me that thought, I want to be more as connected or more connected to God than I am my phone. And so uh, I decided to do a little experiment. Um, I don't know if you have an iPhone, but I do. And there's this do not disturb function on, on the phone. And so I scheduled this do not disturb from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. daily. Okay. I scheduled. Now, if you have an iPhone, this means that it doesn't ring or alert you when someone is trying to communicate with you. And um, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to say my track record of not picking up the phone by habit and looking at it, right? Uh, But equally as interesting, I noticed how angry people were getting that I was not responding to them within 10 seconds of their message. I had a message on there that said, hey, I'm going to grab a coffee. Would you like one? And within a minute, it said, the least you could do is respond to me, jerk. Totally serious, okay? Uh, I have people, hello, are you there? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. People just demanding to have my attention now, 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 I want you, I want you. You have to respond, just for this three-hour window per day. You see, the thing is, is when somebody sends a message to us, we are looking at our phone until we see this. We are just staring at that phone. And the minute we see that, we know two things have happened. They have received our message and they're about to respond. And it sometimes doesn't matter how long it takes them to respond. As long as we see that, we know there's a response on the way, right? There's a response on the way. We have a culture of instant response. And we take that culture from here and we try to apply it back here. God, I prayed for that situation for five seconds. Where's my answer? God, I brought that situation to you in my 30 minute window five weeks ago that I had to spend with you. And you haven't given me the answer to that situation. We try to employ the tactics that we use in our culture to a sovereign Mighty God who does not operate or bow down to the earth or culture systems. Those who wait upon the Lord, right? So you can be spending time in the backstage and still be the king. You can be spending time in the backstage area and still be the king of your life. This is a process, people, right? This is so much fun. Okay, we have this culture of instant responses. I'm about to lay some silly truth on you, okay? Some real, it's not really silly, it's real important truth. I'm gonna lay something on you that's gonna blow your mind. Are you ready? Ready for it? Maybe. (laughs) It's okay to be inaccessible at times. It is okay to turn it off. I checked, I get a lot of emails with what I do at the school and other things I'm involved with. I checked a day's worth of emails and not one email needed an immediate response. Not one email needed me. And some of them, it could have been days before the response was actually we live in a saturated culture that says, give me, 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 give me more of you. So as I was preparing for this message, I went to my daughter, Lucy, and I said, Lucy, I'm gonna have you do something for me. I'm gonna go get a basket. We haven't done this, probably do this this afternoon. I'm gonna go get a basket, and I want you to color on a sheet of paper a cell phone. I want you to draw a cell phone. We're gonna tape that to the basket, and when daddy gets home, Daddy's going to put his cell phone in that basket because you are more valuable to me than my cell phone. You know what her response was? She lit up and she said, really? You know what that tells me? There's been a time when she has thought that the cell phone outvalued her. And so we're going to do that. I'm making that commitment to my family because it's okay to be inaccessible at times. Are you with me? Constant accessibility robs us from any genuine time from the Lord. I'll be in the time, I'll be right in the middle of worship, bling, on the cell phone. I got to get the cell phone out of the room, right? But I use my cell phone to, to play worship music, get a boombox, find out another way, right? It's a choice, right? <clears throat> a constant divided focus. And the inability to be fully present in the moment shows instability, insecurity, and arrogance. What things in your life must you drop everything for? What things in your life must you absolutely stop what you're doing and be present for? If we're really honest, sometimes our families don't even make that list. And sometimes back here... In this space, when we do rub up against God, he will bless us and give us a ministry. He'll give us a class to teach. He'll give us a business. And we will walk out here holding on to that so tight, so tight, so, so, so tight that we will grip it more so than we have a hold of our family or our relationship with God. I tell you what, people, you hold on too tight to what he's given you, you'll choke the life out of it. You'll choke the life out of it. This is my wife. We will have been married a decade in March, and uh, I'm devoted to my wife. I am devoted to my wife. I live in devotion to my wife. There are times when I enjoy my life in the company, my wife, in the company of others. There are times when I enjoy my wife when it's just the two of us. I enjoy and I'm devoted to my wife. The prerequisite for my devotion to my wife is not when I need something. The prerequisite to the de- for the devotion to my wife is not when it's convenient for me. Shouldn't our relationship with God be even more so than that? And so whenever I think and I hear the term devote, forever, I thought devotional life, I I connected it to 30 minutes quiet time or an hour quiet time or this much reading. And we quantify it. But for me in my life, that's just reducing God to a checklist item on a sheet. I can't live that way because there's so much I'm trying to navigate out here. I need him to walk beside me and lead me. Day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. There are times when we're out here in the open and there are times when nobody is around and it's just for him and me. When Margaret's uh, funeral happened, um, Arwen got up and did a, a really just incredible speech And one of the things she was talking about was ordinary days, enjoying the ordinary days with her mom. And so I have a friend who was watching the service and she wanted to get me a gift and she happened to just walk into a store and she saw this, enjoy the gift of ordinary days. Today, it's probably my favorite gift because it holds a lot of significance and meaning to me. And as I was pondering what ordinary days look like, here's the truth of the matter. Jesus should be a part of your ordinary Jesus should be a part of your ordinary. The more he is a part of your ordinary, the better prepared you are for the extraordinary. Your devotional life should not be segmented into five-minute commercial breaks of which you get your shot of Jesus, check him off a list, and then off to the next thing. He wants to walk with you and be a part of your life. That's the key to a better life. I believe for me that this topic, walking with Jesus, is, is supreme among all the other things we're talking about in this series because when you're walking with Jesus, your finances come in line. When you're walking with Jesus, you order your time better. When, you, when you're walking with Jesus, your health comes into order. All of these things fall under a life that is devoted to Jesus and walking with him. This is foundational. This is huge. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Here's the bottom line. If you want a better life, get out of the driver's seat. The directions for your life are easy to follow when you're not the one in control. So give up your control and begin living a life more devoted to him than devoted to yourself. I started this morning, worship team, you can come out. I started this morning with a passage from the book of Psalm. And when I went and looked at different translations, I really loved how the message version uh, worded it. So I kind of wanted to close with this. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead-end road. You don't go to smart-mouth college. Instead, you thrill to God's word. When was the last time you thrilled to God's word? You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree planted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You can choose to live a life that's always in blossom. You can choose this better life. There's a saying in the theater that goes like this, the show must go on. And I would submit to you today that if the show that's going on in your life doesn't have any type of strong foundation in the background or the scenes in the back, then I think it might be time to close the curtain on that show and start spending some life-giving time with the one who created you and who can lead you into a place where you can have a better life. He loves you, he wants you, you have been given access. What does it look like behind the scenes, behind the curtain of your life? Live a life completely devoted to God and he will give you a kingdom perspective that will change your life for the better.